0: I uh, had a wonderful time yesterday. Um, we had a, a prayer seminar, Adam Nathanson shared it with us, we had about 30-some people there. It was just a very, very, very stimulating, encouraging, convicting, uh, helpful training time together, and, um, and I trust uh, if you ever get a chance to, to hear that seminar, it's done also in this area from time to time. But uh, I think it was just very, very helpful for those of us who were able to be a part of that. And I'll reference that uh, at at various times during our time together. But we are focusing this month on the area of prayer. Um, Typically in in November and then sometimes uh, in the spring as well, we we actually have some more additional uh, ways that you can pray and to inform you on prayer and to give you opportunity to know more specifics about the church and how we can be praying for it. Um, And I feel like this is an area that uh, we can grow in. I feel like this is an area that, that most of us were convinced that prayer is important. We've been taught well in this area, I imagine, and we see the need for it, but we just seem to find that that gets squeezed out. Or we don't really take the time to pray for the people that we're, people ask us to pray for. Or uh, if we just uh, just get busy with other things. And so I really thought this would be a message would be helpful to us. Um, on this miss, On this missions weekend, as I thought about missions. Each year we take a focus on missions and something about missions to kind of teach you about missions. Or to stimulate your thinking about missions. Or to get you involved in missions or to get you praying for people in missions. But as I thought about a lot of the, a lot of the, the countries that we actually sponsor uh, partners with, and if you see, there's some flags up here, a majority of these countries and these places are very hostile to the gospel. And a lot of these places, they, they, they cannot meet publicly. Um, they cannot share their faith with their family and friends. They cannot, you cannot come into those countries with an intention of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And uh, as a result, there's a lot of persecution. There's a lot of things that are going on in those situations. And, uh, and we send money and we do various things to help out, send materials and so forth. But for a lot of those situations, if you were to talk to the people who are there, who are being persecuted or who are in prison, whenever they're asked, um, what can we do? Almost in every situation I've ever heard of, the first thing they said, would you pray for us? Would you pray for us? And so, as a result of that, I thought it would be good on this particular weekend, this year, to really spend a focus on how critical it is that we be a a people uh, who pray. And who pray for the mission. And so I want to share with you the verse that we're going to be looking at. um, At the big idea before we pray. But the verse that we're going to look at. We're going to kind of key off of this verse actually more than uh, dig into it deeply. But it's Acts chapter 2 and verses 42 and 43 say this. Speaking of the first century Christians right after Pentecost right after God was just beginning the church there, it says, and they devoted themselves, speaking of the believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. You see four things there that they were devoting themselves to. They were were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and here as a church, I think we, we do our very best to give you su- substantial opportunities to be knowing the Bible, studying the Bible, believing the Bible, understanding the Bible, discussing the Bible. It says they devoted themselves, the apostles' teaching, to fellowship. Fellowship has the idea of participation together in the work of Christ, as well as the relationships that we build in those situations. But it's a, it's a working together to fulfill God's purposes. And it says, to the breaking of bread. And breaking of bread was probably done a little bit differently than we do. A lot of times it was done then around meals. People joined together in households and they took meals together. But they always took that time to focus on uh, Jesus Christ and what we call communion or the breaking of bread. You know, when we we refocused our, our unity, our identity, our salvation our growth our change is in the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ and we do that even i think pretty well here as a church we keep a gospel focus a gospel centered focus as a church but it says the fourth thing that they were devoted so they were devoting themselves to was prayer and prayers and i believe that this is something that if we really were to kind of look at our own Lives, and I can't speak for each of you, but I would speak for myself and my involvement. I just think that prayer is something that we, we can really benefit from and we can see God's purposes accomplished. And the mission is going to be very, very different if we're a praying people. So I wanted to remind us in this big idea that devotion to prayer is needed to advance the mission. Devotion to prayer is needed to advance the mission. So if we could pray together. Lord, for as prosperous and as blessed as we are as a country, as free as we have been for many, many, many decades, for as blessed as we've been as a people. Lord, as I consider all the resources and all the provision that you've made for us as believers here in the United States, I'm aware, Lord, that we are a needy people. We are people who don't see how destitute we really are. We don't see how weak we really are. We don't understand how apart from you we can do nothing our prayer lives reflect that we fall short of what you would call us to, in being faithful to pray not only for our own families and for our church, but for our nation, for our, our leaders, the need in this world. And Lord, sometimes we could just make those prayers just a very brief token prayer and we've not really wrestled with you. We've not, really, we've not really gone to battle for the needs that we're aware of, much less the needs that are beyond our relationships and geography. It's not just that we, we're busy, Lord. It's not just that we don't have much time. It's that we are a proud people. We are a self-sufficient people. We are an unbelieving people to see that we really cannot accomplish your works without your help, without your power, without your wisdom, without your strength, without your patience, your love and mercy. So Lord, It's a big ask. But we, we don't, want to, remind, we don't want, to want to remain the way we are. And Lord, you know exactly where we are as an individuals, whether we've been in the faith for decades or whether we've just recently come to faith in you, Jesus. And you joyfully and gladly come alongside those who will look to you and ask for help. You welcome a childlike spirit that recognizes we need help in almost everything, literally. So Lord, increase our desire, increase our faith. Increase our expectation that even these prayers are being heard and that you are already beginning to work in hearts for this time together. You are so glorified when your people look to you and humble themselves and pray and look to your face and find help in our times of need and service. And so, Lord, use this time, we pray, to take us one more step in maturing as your follower. In Jesus' name, amen. John Piper, in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, said this. He said, we cannot know what prayer is for until we know that life is war. Life is war. That's not all it is, but it is always that. Our weakness in prayer is owing largely to our neglect of this truth. Prayer is primarily a wartime walkie-talkie for the mission of the church as it advances against the powers of darkness and unbelief. It is not surprising that prayer malfunctions when we try to make it a domestic intercom to call upstairs for more comforts in the den. God has given prayer as a wartime walkie-talkie so that we can call headquarters for everything we need as the kingdom of Christ advances in the world. What do you think about prayer when you, when you think about praying? Do you, do, you, do you see yourself in a wartime situation? Like when you woke up this morning, did you say, there's a battle going on all around me and I'm going to need help today? And the battle isn't just the spiritual warfare over in dark countries. And it's not just what's going on in the battles in the Middle East right now. It's not even just the battles that we might see going on on our university campuses. But all around us right now, there is a a battle going on. And the the God of this world has actually recruited and found willing those around us and including ourselves to to do his deeds. The Bible says that there's a battle against our world system, our flesh, and the devil. And in order for us to really engage with God, we probably need to have a a worldview that says, this is not vacation time, this is not leisure time, this is not my time, this is God's time. And God has given us a means for help, for resources, for wisdom, for endurance, for patience, for love, for change in our relationship with him through prayer. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So if we don't ask, we don't necessarily get those results. And so how would you live differently if you were in a literal battle right now? <laughs> you know, if you if you woke up in Israel or in Gaza or if if you woke up, you know, in a, in a situation where there's actual warfare going on around you, would anyone need to remind you you should be praying? I don't think so. If you saw that your life was endangered or your loved ones were endangered in this situation, or you saw that there was opportunity to help someone or care for someone, or you knew someone who had already been hurt in that battle, would you be praying for that situation? I think so. There was a time when a prophet was surrounded by the enemy and his helper was with him terrified And the prophet said, God opened his eyes to see that there's more with us than there are with with them. There are more angelic beings fighting for the cause and the purposes of a superior commander in chief. But we need to ask, we need to talk, we need to pray. In Ephesians chapter 6, a familiar verse to us about the warfare, it says this, starting in verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And I'm going to skip ahead past some of the the armor. Verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me. You know, Paul's saying, I need those prayers too. I need you praying for me too. I I, I need those, I need that spiritual weapon operating on my behalf. This is the guy who who wrote the book, who who wrote this book. He's the one instructing about warfare. He's the one who's already been battling, has lots and lots of information and knowledge and wisdom. He says, pray for me. Pray for me too. Brothers and sisters, we can know a lot. And years and and experience and gifts help us immensely to have people give us discernment and insights into what to do in various trials and difficulties and struggles, struggles that our kids are having, struggles that you're having, areas of our lives that aren't changing, things that are going on in your community, things that are going on in your school situation, your job situation, in this country, wherever, all those things that are going on, there's wisdom that we can apply And there's character that helps us to live out the Christian life. But there are strategic prayers that make significant advances to the kingdom of God and to the purpose of God. And these first century, these brand new Christians New American Standard says we're continually devoting themselves to these four things, one of which was prayer. They're continually devoting themselves to prayer. And here it says, praying at all times in spirit with all prayer and supplication. And so I want to just try to do this very quickly but i'm going to just run through what what happened to the mission in the book of acts because of prayer what was what was going on and why was there such a glorious story through the book of acts as it relates to them being devoted to prayer so i just want to move fairly quickly through this i'll try and make sure i give reference if you're not as familiar with acts but it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it says the testimony of the of the of these believers who were devoting themselves to these four areas and to prayer. It says, Acts 1:14, the disciples were waiting for the filling of the Holy Spirit. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with women and the Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brother. So Jesus had just ascended to heaven. He had spent three years discipling his disciples. He had hundreds of people saw him after he rose from the dead. You'd think they're ready to go. Like, like this is like a criti- uh, critical time because all these things have just been happening. And he says, no, I want you to pray. I want you to wait and I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit. And so they, they waited for days and days and days and days, and they kept praying and they were meeting together and praying. And then the Spirit came. And then a little bit later, after thousands of people were saved, thousands were saved, three thousand in one day, and all of them got baptized. That would be fun. Acts chapter three, verse one. They were on, Peter and John were on their way, you know, going to the temple to pray, it says. And Peter and John were going on to the temple in the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. That was a regular time that they would go. They had this regular pattern of this hour that they would go and they would just devote themselves to prayer and right as they were heading into that time of prayer, maybe even already starting their prayer, at least with a mindset of listening to God and seeking God in prayer, what happens? There's a guy, there's a blind beggar who is healed. Chapter four. Peter and John uh, had gotten in trouble because they were using Jesus' name and seeing people healed. And so they were threatened by the officials. And the officials couldn't do anything because all they did was, you know, just saw somebody healed. And they were threatened and they were sent out. And it says in verse 31, and when they had prayed, this is talking about the people, the people got Peter and John back. And when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So their leaders had just been interrogated and threatened. I'm sure they were praying for their safety. That's, that makes sense. But when they got them back and heard what had happened, they got excited about Jesus, you know, and they started praying and they were praying and then the ground started shaking and the Holy Spirit came on all of them and they were filled with boldness, not afraid, not afraid. You know, you're afraid and I'm afraid when I don't pray. The Bible says, you know, you make those, you make those requests to God, And you thank God, and a peace of God which surpasses all comprehension comes on you. And there's a boldness that comes on when God fills us with His Holy Spirit. In chapter 6, verses 4 and 6, the. The apostles were so busy, they were so overwhelmed with the, the conversions that were going on and the miracles that were happening. The opposition, they were dealing with all those things. And just the busyness of life, the activity that was going on all around them, all this busyness, it says, we're going to devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And they set up, up for the apostles and they prayed and they laid their hands on the deacons, the first deacons. When I get more to do, I spend more time doing that. I maybe have less time with Jesus. I probably spend less time when I get busy. And I was reading about Martin Luther. I think it was a famous quote from Martin Luther. He says, I've got so much to do today, I'm gonna have to spend the first three hours in prayer today. I got so much to do. I'm going to have to spend three hours, first of all, in prayer today. Is that how you understand prayer? That God is coming to help you. God is offering to answer, empower, give you wisdom. In this case, gave him another idea. Hey, you guys shouldn't be doing this. Let's have some other godly people take care of these responsibilities. So you can even give yourself more to prayer the highest principles. The highest callings that we have. In chapter 8, the disciples were scattered because of persecution. And I believe Philip had gone out and saw some people saved who were Samaritans who were despised by by the, the Jews. And so the Jews uh, the leaders sent down these leaders with them and they came down that they might pray over these people and it says, and they came down they prayed over them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. And so for the first time, God changed their whole way of looking at the world, changed their whole way of looking at people who are not Jewish to see that these people also were part of God's plan of the kingdom. And yet he they they got that understanding through prayer. They got that understanding through abiding. They got that understanding and they saw the powers that came down and laid their hands on these people and were praying for them. And in chapter 9, we have the conversion of Saul to the he became the Apostle Paul. And the Lord said, him, Raise up and go to, to the street called straight. This guy was praying, and he, he, he got this impression from God. You need to go and talk to this guy. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for he is, he is praying. And as a result of not being fearful and not making his decisions on what's self-protecting him and not what seems reasonable and right to kind of keep away from the difficult situations because of the Spirit of God moving, because of prayer, we have Paul today. We have his writings we have his testimony. In chapter 9, we had uh, a little girl was raised from the dead, but Peter put them aside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise, and she opened her eyes, and she saw, And when she saw Peter, she sat up. Miracles happened with prayer. Acts chapter 10, verses 2, 4, and 31. A non-Christian Cornelius and his family are saved. A devout man who feared God with all his household gave all arms generously to the people and prayed continually to God, and he, start, and he stared at him in terror. So this is uh, after Peter came to him. He said, he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have, been, have ascended as a memorial before God. And said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your arms have been remembered before God. And then, yeah, that was the angel talking to him. And then, and then God's revelation to Peter, Acts 11, I was in the city of Joppa praying in a trance I saw a vision something like a great sheet descending being let down from heaven by its four corners and it came down to me. And so again God's about ready to shake up everything that these Jews think about now the Gentiles. At least the Samaritans were they were kind of worshipping God they kind of didn't do it the right way they weren't fully Jewish. But now God's about ready to shake everything up in terms of a Jewish understanding of who God is really wants to be part of his family, wants to be part of his kingdom. And so that came as a result of Peter spending this time in prayer, and he gets this vision. He gets a vision time after time after time. Three times he gets the same vision, telling him that what God declares clean, don't consider unclean any longer. And he, and he realizes that very quickly after that. That it's the Gentiles he's talking about. Then later on, Peter gets imprisoned. Oh. oh, let's do James first. In James, Acts twelve five, James has just been executed by the the the, the uh, Roman rulers there, and uh, then the church starts praying. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. And then verse 12, Peter's gonna be released from prison. His life is spared. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name is Mark, where there were, they were, many were gathered together and were praying. And so you know, we have this miraculous account where Peter's in chains, he's, he's, he's in jail. Somehow the jeans, chains fall off his feet. All the guards that are around him, and they're, they're, they're asleep. He goes, the doors are opening, he's going out. He's thinking, this has gotta be a dream because this just doesn't happen. <laughs> he ends up at the house of the people praying for him. He's knocking on the door. And that must've been hilarious. You know The door opens, she sees it. She slams the door and goes back and says, it's a ghost. And then they open the door again. And they let him in finally. And they've been praying for him to be protected. You know, they've already been praying these things. Sometimes our prayers, we're asking God for things that, like, Lord, I believe you could do this, but help me in my unbelief. I'm asking you to do things I've never seen before. I've never done before. I've never been part of before. And then when it happens, like, really? Did it really happen? You know, we're kind of reproved by even our weak faith. But they were praying. And prayer was clearly referenced as part of how these things are happening. Claire, prayer is not just a, you know, an insignificant comment in these, in these events. It's implied in other places. In fact, I only took a, a small portion of what we see in Acts just to show you how prayer was tied into wisdom and decisions and power, and salvation, and filling, and miracles, and God able to do great things, because they looked to God. They came to God and they said, we don't have wisdom, or power, or strength, or ability, or authority, or any of those things. We we can't do these things. But through prayer, we can do all things that he calls us to do, everything. Lord, help us if we only ask him for things that we think are possible. If we can only do, if we're only asking him for things that we know that we, we can, we've already done these things before, so I guess we can do it again kind of thing. And then we have... Let's jump ahead here. Chapter 13, first missionaries were sent out after fasting and praying. They laid their hands on, uh, on the Apostle Paul uh, and Barnabas and they sent them off. The first missionary trips were commissioned by God because they were praying. Chapter 14, verse 23, after Paul's being stoned, uh, now they come back and they send and they appoint leaders in every church. It says, it says and, and when they appointed elders f- for them from every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord and to whom we believe. Again, you know, if I were there and, like, I was the lead of this team, okay, and they, I just, I've been preaching, I've been having a lot of antagonistic response, and then they stone me and leave me for dead, and then people come around me and they, you know, somehow I'm raised back up from the dead. <laughs> and then they, and then what happens after that, it says, hey, we need to leave churches here. You know, we need to, let's appoint some leaders to to be the leaders of this area, you know. I mean, that is just a God thing, that you would have the boldness and the courage to both ask somebody to lead a church in that situation and believe that the empowerment and the sovereignty and the power of God is is on that place and on those people to see more saved. That comes not from you. That kind, that kind of courage and faith comes from God. So, chapter 16, verse 13. The church that started at Philippi. And on the Sabbath day, they were outside at the gates to the riverside where, supposed it was a place of prayer, and he sat down and spoke to the women who were there. And, the, and uh, Lydia became a believer, that, that woman together with the women who were meeting with her at that place of prayer by the riverside, that became the beginnings of the church of Philippi. I love the book of Philippians. Probably Philippians is one of my favorite books of the New Testament. i was so glad that people were praying so that that, that church got started, so that that place was, became a, a followers, they're followers of Christ there. Chapter 16, we were going to the place of prayer. We were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and, and brought their owners much gained by fortune-telling. So it was, it was because of that, that prayer that was going on. She was delivered from, from demonic oppression and from her fortune-telling. Got thrown in prison for that one because they took away the money that they, the owners had of hers. And so now they're in the jail. We didn't go, won't go through the whole thing on there, what was going on, but it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And as a result, again, the place shook, doors opened. People were, seemed like they were about to escape. Jailers, humbled, broken, knows he's, he's a dead man. <laughs> you know, he calls out, what can I do to be saved? And he's saved. His whole family gets saved. So just, just the mindset that, um, that when you're thrown in prison, you should be singing and worshiping. Maybe, maybe the doors will open if you do that, you know. Maybe not, but... A whole different way of thinking about God and God's ways and God's provision and God's power and God's agenda and God's priorities and God's working is opened up when we're talking to God, listening to God, interacting with God. God gives us a partnership in the mission that he's doing all around us. Locally, regionally, globally, God is working all around us, wants to work all around us, is looking for believers who will open their heart and mind to participating in the things that he wants to do. Chapter 27, verse 29, Paul uh, was on a ship. He was on his way to Rome. It was a huge storm. Everyone should have died on the storm. Paul talked to him about they need to pray. And finally, they, 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 they yielded to him after he said, God's already told me through prayer that we're gonna be safe. And so they were shipwrecked together. It says, and and fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four, four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come, and they made it safely. And then there was a miraculous healing. The next chapter, it happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery, and Paul visited him and prayed and put his hands on him, healed him. And so, you know, the book of Acts, it, it intentionally has us feel like there should be been more. Like the book of Acts stops on things like that. It doesn't like wrap it all up and, and that was the life of Paul and we can just rejoice that God did that sometime. But the book of Acts is kind of written like this continues. These are the acts of the people of God. These are the, the acts of the apostles. But God's story continues down through the years. And God's story continues here at Grace Community Church. And we celebrate many, many times the miraculous things, the impossible things, the provision of God, the way that God did amazing things as we consider the history of God's working in our church. When I, um, when I first came to... Um, so, so the original team that was related to this church came from Columbus, Ohio in 1979. 1979, we were praying that God would use us mildly, that we'd see things happen, that in our generation, we'd be able to see, we'd see the whole world reach with the gospel. Like, never since the first century do we ever have a testimony that the whole gospel got to the whole creation, that everybody got to hear it. We've never had that. And that's got to happen. And so we're saying, Lord, we want to be that generation. We want to be the people that are a part of it. When you get the, you know, the glory of having the gospel, go to every, every tribe and tongue and people and nation, every people group, and they have opportunity to hear that gospel. And so that's what, our, that's what our thinking was. That's what we want to be a part of. So someone said, hey, we should send out another team. And we said... And they came to me and they came to my wife we were just married for about a year or so second baby on the way you want to go on a team to washington dc area university of maryland we said yeah sure so i gave away a lot of my stuff and packed my stuff on a truck with some other people's stuff and i got here and i had 400 dollars no job. But we were asking God to do something so great, so great, that if it, if it, if it wasn't him, it was doomed to failure. But if it was him, it was going to happen. And so for for the first eight months, we were, most of us found jobs, and we worked in the daytime. And so we would be out on the campus at the University of Maryland multiple nights a week, multiple services on the uh, gatherings and so forth on the weekend and we passed out thousands of tracts and Bibles and shared with all kinds of people and after nine months we had like eight people to join us like eight people joined us and there was about 30 on our team eight people had joined us and and the pastors of the church and I was like a training pastor at that time and they said we need to pray and so the pastors started meeting together every morning, every morning before we go to work and we would pray every morning for the campus and for ourselves. And the camp and our, and, our, and our ministry exploded and we prayed every morning, every morning. And we had hundreds of people showing up for public preaching every day. And it just kept going on and going on and going in. So that was in 1980. By 1982, we said, we're too big. We need to send a church. We need to send another team out. Hey, how about Towson State? How about Towson State? Because we've we've already, we got this, we'll have enough of us to reach this campus here. Let's, Let's send another team up to Towson State. And that's you, that's your church. That's this church. In 1982, people again, sold what they have, moved up. A number of people became students up at campus up here. And they started going out and and reaching out and they kept praying. (laughs) And they kept praying because they saw that God was working when we pray. We have that in our history. We have that in our history. That God is using prayer to further the mission. He's going to do that. So, there are a thousand ways you can apply the area of prayer. There's hundreds of ways, but because we've been focusing this month on prayer and because I I felt like the Lord really put it on my heart to have some ongoing ways that you could be praying very specifically for things in the church. We've put up uh, three walls of prayer requests. So uh, there's a wall, there's two walls up here on the second floor. If you go up elevator stairs, two walls on that floor. And this whole wall, if you go out this door here, this whole hallway down here, we used to call it the Fellowship Hallway. It has all the people, all the, all the ministries, all the connections that we have that we're working consistently with locally. All the things that we're doing regionally. All the things that we're doing with the nations. Across from that, we have, all, we have requests for persecuted church. That hallway down there, needs people to verbalize to God that we're partnering with God in those situations, and we're asking for God to work in those situations. And I thought about that. I think, you know, that's, that's not like rocket science to pray for things. It's not like really, really hard in, in, in our conceptually. Like, we can do this, but we don't much like we could. And so I was thinking about that, and that's why some of the walls are designed a little bit differently. Like the first, the wall up on this side here upstairs, uh, if you've ever heard the like Seven Steps to Freedom, um, I think it's called something like that, um, by Neil Anderson. Uh, We've renamed it because we can't use it the way it was, but we have um, seven decisions, seven decisions that you need to make or we can make. You see, I think that part of the reason that we don't participate in prayer is because of the battle that's going on within us and around us. I think that the enemy will do anything he can to find you something else good to do with your time, some other important responsibility, some other task that's left undone. But some of it is guilt that we feel or inadequacy that we feel. So there's seven different areas to work through that's going to help you to be free And in ready and encouraged to do what God's called us to do, which is pray. And when you think about freedom, you think about, I think about freedom is not not freedom to do whatever I want. Freedom is this. I, I like this definition. True freedom is not a matter of doing what you want without restraint. But cultivating the right wants and living in obedience to God's will. In other words, freedom results when our wants align with God's will. And so for us to really engage in prayer, I think that God wants to do some work in us because we have, we're carrying all kinds of struggles or guilt or pride or enslavements or curses or all those things. So there's a wall up there that you can just walk through and ask God to help you let go or change your mind or repent or whatever is needed to do. If you find that that's not, you want more to do that, our, our lay counseling ministry can walk with you through those things as well. And the second thing, we, we need freedom, but we also need discipline. 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8 says this, it says, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Train yourself for Godliness. Most of us don't like that concept training myself. Like right now I'm working on Spanish. I'm trying to read, uh, read more, working on my diet, working on my exercise, being consistent in those things is really, 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 really challenging. And, but I'm making some progress. Okay. But what about prayer? What about prayer? Is prayer one of those things that's worthy of you to devote yourself to so you could be like those first century Christians who are continually devoting themselves to something that God says gives you value here in this life, but also in the life to come? And I woke up this morning, and I thought, Lord, I shouldn't be given this message because I just, I'm nowhere near where I want to be with prayer. I'm, why didn't I ask Adam Nathanson to, pray, to teach this message on Sunday? Because Adam's, like, he's really, he's my hero in this area. He's just, he's walking around schools, praying for the kids in the elementary school across the street. You know, he knows all these names of all these people up and down this road. You know, he's going to the malls and praying. He's going, he's gone to like Annapolis to pray, you know, for government things. But you know what? The Lord just reminded me like, in your weakness, I'm going to be strong. It's okay to be weak. In fact, Paul said, I'm going to boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ will, will, will rest on me. And so, you know, if you're not an exerciser and you're just getting started, you know what? That's amazing. That's great that you'll take that first few steps to get started. And God's not asking you to be a spiritual giant in this area necessarily today. But can we see the wisdom of discipline, of putting one foot in front of the other? I think of this, this book from many, many years ago. Bill Hybels wrote this book. Can we get the picture up? There we go. Too Busy Not to Pray, Slowing Down to Be with God. So it used to have like an X to the knot, you know. Like, you, you and I think you're too busy to pray. You're too busy not to pray. <laughs> you and I are too busy not to pray. And I find that when I start ordering my, my ways according to God's ways, that I find that whole gaps of, of things get taken care of. Many things all come off my list, or people offer to take those things for me, or they just go a lot smoother than I thought they would. But the reality is, if we don't pray, we're really in worse shape than if we, if we take that time and pray. And I know that that's a big ask. That's a big ask. And nobody sees, and nobody knows. And you can, if you have accountability, you can say, yeah, I'm, I can use some help in that area. I'm doing okay. But we don't, we're not really, really ready to be serious about that. But you know, I think that if we really believe that we're in war, And if you really believe that apart from God you can do nothing, it makes sense. It makes sense to make sure that you keep that as a priority. I mean, we keep it as a priority to eat, most of us. We keep it as a a priority for many of us to, some of you need more help in this area, but sleep, we generally sleep. Jesus was getting up early sometimes because he needed to pray more than sleep, sleep in. So I think in discipline areas, train yourself for godliness. This idea of, of 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 training here is a it's 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 really not about what you feel like doing. I think that's I think that's where maturity I think is, is is needed. You know, like if you only do what you feel like doing, you're you're you won't be you won't go very far in life. Definitely not in your Christian life. So it can't be about what you, how you feel about praying. Some days you'll pray because it's the right thing to do, and then God will come along with your feelings and help you with that. Anyway. So today, it would be good that you have a plan, a plan of when I can do this or when I will do this, Um, a plan on where I'm going to do this, Something that really identifies this as an A priority. I, gotta, I need to put this in so it doesn't get moved or squeezed out. And if it does get moved, you might have a B plan, but I think it's best to really hold on to that A plan if, if at all possible. I, I mentioned our prayer wall. We're going to keep these, up, these things up for at least another week or so. We may leave it up through November, but can I encourage you to, to, to pray and to walk through one or more of these walls? whether it's today or sometime over the next times you're in here in the church. I think we mentioned there's a, there's a worship night next Saturday. Come early and just spend some time praying. We had our, our, our uh, seminar on Saturday. A lot of people did. I think it was a very meaningful time. I think each time we did it twice for about 15 minutes each time. And it, I think God really, really it was a very powerful time for them. Um, a journal, a prayer journal. I think Adam reminded us, you know, that if you don't write it down, you're probably not going to pray for it. People ask you all the time, don't they? Could you pray for me? Could you pray for my mom? Could you pray for this operation? Could you pray for things? You know, you have all these people in your family. You have all these people on your missions list. You have all these people that you, you intend, you have good intentions to pray for them, but do you? And so, you know, uh, I I think what what I've done is, you know, is I, I have a little, I have a journal here. And in here, I have the names of god so i can just kind of prep my heart and mind about this is the god i'm about ready to talk to and it's very encouraging i have some prayers you know from the bible but then i have like sunday i'm praying for you guys monday i'm praying for missionaries and evangelism tuesday i'm praying for teachers and media i'm praying for fellow pastors and their wives on wednesday i'm praying for the troubled and the sick and people going through things and then I have the government I'm praying for on, uh, and world governments on Friday and on Saturday, I'm praying for my family. My wife was great. I miss my prayer partner with my wife because she would make sure every, every week we would talk through and pray for everybody in our family. And so we, about, we took about an hour, hour and a half every, every week. And she was my best, best, best prayer partner for that. But I also have, you know, I think it's also good to partner with other people because if you don't feel comfortable praying, it, you will learn by doing, and you will, you will learn from others. And so it's good to pray with others. And they'll just be glad that you tried, you know, <laughs> that you made your attempt. It's okay. You don't have to be flowery. You don't have to have lots of verses. You don't need all those things. You know, God hears his children. So just, just pray. But find somebody who can pray with you. Um, I, I, I was reminded on my way here of... Um, In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. But if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to one who is alone when he falls and there's not another to lift him up. If two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And sometimes you're going to feel like, oh, I just feel cold towards God. I don't want to pray. <laughs> I don't have anything to say. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling, you know. It's good to have somebody there who will warm you up to God again. And though a man might provide... Prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. So I love it praying with the pastors. We pray regularly. I pray with my small group regularly. It's good to have people to pray with. And you pray too. Don't just listen to them. You pray also. Uh, if you want prayer requests, if you would like prayer requests, and this being our, our missions season, could I show you this slide here? I really want people, I wanna get prayer requests to you all, some updates on various things that are going on with missions locally, regionally, uh, globally. I would invite you to join us on from time to time on um, a Zoom time that we do. We pray together regularly for, for the missions of the church. There's several people that will join us. If you're just interested in getting the requests, I will try and recruit you, by the way, to a Zoom. But if you just want the requests, it's go team uh, and that number and then I'll get back to you on that uh, worship team come on up lastly I'm just going to mention this briefly uh, inspiration like how do, we, how do you keep stirred to do this because it is work it's one of the hardest works Adam said that he, whatever church he goes to uh, the smallest meeting that meets all week long is the prayer meetings like people don't go to the prayer meetings I mean evangelism probably rivals that but other than evangelism, and, and these are the hardest works. These are the most challenging works that we have. But I love I loved what Adam talked about in terms of that prayer time is not just about you dumping your list on God. You know, this is a face-to-face opportunity that you have with God. This is a relationship that you're building. This is hearing from God. This is listening to God. This is him assuring you of things. And so we put up one of the walls, on, it's on Acts. It's adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. If you spend time with God and just seeing who he is and adoring him and, and worshiping him for who he is, you spend time dealing with any unknown sin that God brings up to you. You spend that time just praising him, giving thanks, being grateful. Then your supplication just flows out of that very easily. In fact, I, I really appreciate you know, uh, the people who talked about how these four things can kind of be like a braid a, a when I'm praying. I'm supplicating, I'm saying, Lord, would you please help us? birth And I'm like, and I thank you that you've helped me in this area. And I can think of other people, and I praise you that you have power in this area, and that you, you're the, you're the, you can do impossible things. And I think that prayer is not just compartmentalizing adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. I think, it, I think they keep mixing. But if you, if you realize that you're talking to someone who is listening to you and they want to talk back to you, you will find that, that is, you come away from that very, very refreshed and encouraged. And so as we close, those Christians, they devoted themselves to prayers. And the big idea for us is devotion to prayer is needed to advance the mission. So Lord, we, just, we need your help in this area. We know that our culture our pride, our nature. Everything around us is is trying to keep us from this very important work. Lord, help us to repent of that. It's not good enough to have good intentions. We want to seek you. We want to know you. We want to find our satisfaction in you today, Lord. So, Lord, as as we close off, this is not impossible for you. This is not too big for you to do this work in our lives and to make us a different church, to revive us again, and to, to give us the, the joy that we're going to have in walking with you in this mission. And so we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.